0: Hey, what's going on? This is the show. I hate myself. I also hate myself. I hate myself. I probably won't kill myself. One time I got a boner where I got a massage,
1: and I was too embarrassed, and I never said anything, and I never got a massage again.
0: Cause I hate myself. Talk to me, baby, all about your problems. This is I Hate Myself, I'm Joe Troman, and always with me this one time on this one episode is my beautiful co-host, Wade Randolph. Hi, I
2: don't don't think I hate myself, but maybe I do.
0: So before we get into the show, I just want to talk about the phrase, I hate myself. Um, This is something I often utter, though I only half believe it, because I am a clinically depressed boy who loves talking about his depression. Um, that is my favorite pastime. So if you like to golf or shoot and kill things, I like to kill the vibe by talking about depression. It's something I've been doing uh, for nearly 30 years to my therapist. And now I want to do it to you, as inappropriate as that is to put my problems onto your shoulders. But really, this is like a, it's like a dream forum to discuss depression to maybe destigmatize conversations surrounding it because depression is still this really taboo thing that a lot of people are afraid to talk about. They feel embarrassed to talk about. They feel alone in it. And hey, you're not alone. I'm here. Wade's here. We want to um, talk about this stuff uh, through hitting on micro topics related to depression because depression itself is so big and, and, vexing and it's like a fucking rat's nest sorry to swear guys but um, this is an edgy podcast and um, so anyway you know we want to discuss a micro topic related to depression and today it's all about work baby you know for me um, it can both be everything from uh, it can influence my work you know sometimes it can it can make me more creative other times it can make me never want to work sometimes it makes me feel like my work is stupid. So I don't know. It 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 affects me in all sorts of different ways. What about you, Wade?
2: It's tough when you're a comedy writer and then you get in a sad mood because then you're not funny. Um <laughs> and it's it's fun to write sad stuff sometimes, you know, but that's not um how I make money. So Yeah, sometimes if I'm not in a good mood, it's I just can't, I won't be able to write because everything will just not be funny.
0: Our job is like, we're being told, just keep making stuff, keep make, just make more stuff, make more stuff. We'll figure out what to do with it, make more stuff. And you're sitting there and you're going, especially when you're feeling like garbage, is any of this Fucking worth it and then you see the world around us there's real problems and you're going well, what's the point of any of this what's the point of any of this bullshit
2: yeah well i mean i don't i don't have an answer to that because it, it's on the money man like i i'm i'm writing this thing right now that i'm struggling with it probably sucks i'm I, i'm banging my head against the wall the only reason i'm doing it is because if i don't do that then i just spiral into if i'm not like working constantly, I f- just feel worthless regardless of like what the outcome is going to be, which is going to be, it's going to be a script that I send my manager and, and then that's it. That's the only <laughs> thing that's going to happen with this. And I already know that, but I, but I still have to write it because if I don't, I don't know, I'll just watch movies like yeah. what else is there to do?
0: And now it's time for a little <laughs> a bad news. I got some bad news today. My
2: opinions are the
0: Um, So, Wade, do you ever read Inc.com? Because that's where we found this article.
2: Um, that's the uh, Tattoo Fetish uh,
0: website. Yeah, it is. <laughs> oh, yeah, Inc. <laughs> There's is, there is a magazine, Inc. You know, I will say this before we get into this. My other band, The Damn Things, we did an. Oh, it's Inked with an E-D, past tense. We did an Inked-sponsored tour, and because of, like, one of the various hurricanes that hit New York, we had to, like, cancel our tour, and we didn't finish it, and we basically burned, fully burned our bridges of Inked magazine. So, uh, sorry, Inked, uh, but this is Ink.com. Oh, com, like, incorporated. ink ink incorporated. Got it. But it's, um, so here's the title. If you're a workaholic... You're likely to have these four disorders. And it says a large study has found a connection between overworking and a handful of psychiatric conditions. And it says the um, there's a study published in the open access journal PLOS One, PLOS, or maybe it's PLOS1. They relied on data from sixteen thousand four hundred and twenty two working adults and found workaholics had significantly higher rates of Attention Deficit Hyperactive Disorder, ADHD, Obsessive Compulsive Disorder, OCD, Anxiety, and Depression. I have three of those, not the ADHD, but I have the OCD, the Anxiety, and Depression. So it says, to break it down, workaholics reported more than double the rate of ADHD than non-workaholics, almost triple the rate of OCD. Uh, that's me. Uh, and anxiety and more than triple the rate of depression
2: I want to know about your OCD because my brother-in-law has it too and like it's like he has to have the radio Volume at like an even or odd number I don't remember which when he takes his shoes off. He has to like place the shoe laces in a certain direction stuff like that, right? What are yours?
0: Okay, so an example of something I've done. So let's say I have an appointment to go to. Dentist, meeting, doesn't matter the level of importance. And I need to get a pen or something from the cabinet, from the pen cabinet. And I go into the cabinet and it's a mess. I will be late to organize the whole cabinet. It's taken a ton of therapy and a ton of like figuring out the right tools and things to say to myself to say this isn't important. This doesn't need to get done. But... The pull that it has in my body, like the nagging pull that it has to get done. Like, I can't relax if the kitchen isn't clean. I will sometimes, like, be at my desk, and if a pen is askew, I'm like, I don't like that. I got to move it, like, a different way. They're little things that are very easy to hide, but they're real. Like, they're very real. They're not as, like, extreme as, like, flicking the light switch off and on, like, a certain amount of times or your, you know, brother's going to die or something. Um, But like going back to this article like a little bit like how workaholics have tripled the rate of depression. So like that kind of like if this study is an accurate cross-section, it has accurate data, whatever, then all of the working I do to try to dig myself out of depression in theory is just burying me in depression. Yeah, so I think, you know, we've been talking a lot about how work and depression kind of go hand in hand or maybe don't go hand in hand. And, um, you know, I thought we should have a guest on that is for sure a workaholic <laughs> and a very successful workaholic who I also know is, you know, can get depressed. I mean, this guy... He created one of my favorite shows ever. Not making this up. Robot Chicken. Look it up. It's real. No, but it's one of my one of the best shows ever. Been on for over ten years. He wrote, directed, and starred in a great movie called Changeland. Wow. Triple threat. This guy. Um, no, but he's very talented. He also um, career highlight. He had a minor minor guest role in a over 10-year-old Fall up Boy music video. Let's give it up for Seth Green. Who would want to be a guest on a podcast when I'm too lazy to even want to brush my teeth? So let's get it over with the song and dance. Got a guest coming over, better put on some pants. So let's just talk about it, Seth. Um, thanks for okay. coming. Thanks for being here. Thanks, man. I pre- appreciate it. You've been working um, for forever, and you're still working, and you're still making awesome stuff. You have an incredible... Production and animation company that I've had the pleasure of working yeah. with you. Is that yeah. how you say it? But you yeah, know, it's we're, like
3: we're developing multiple things together we're that have actually multiple- gained purchase in the marketplace. So that is that's quite an accomplishment. It's and quite- more than us just dabbling. That's like we're, no,
0: we're not just dabbling. We're actually <laughs> making things, which is incredible, which I'm re- really grateful for. But you know, me too. Outside, outside of you being like a wonderful and nurturing and creative person, you and I mean this as a compliment, you're kind of a workaholic, and I don't know yeah. if, um, and I'm also a workaholic. Wade, are you any kind of a holic?
2: I'm a, an alcoholic for sure, but I, when it comes to work, if I'm not working, I get really depressed, and that's my relationship, and so I, I guess I'm a workaholic uh, in, that, in that vein.
0: Yeah, so like, Seth, what I wanna know is, because I, I have a take for myself, but do you have a relationship with depression regarding work like does it make you work more make you work less does it influence what you create
3: um i definitely have an evolving relationship with depression and the older i get and the more that i experience the more um palpable it becomes and the deeper or more intense it is when i experience it um i consistently noticed the the first time i really became aware of it was uh, long before I started producing and when I was just acting. And, you know, since acting is my passion um, and my greatest um, self-satisfaction is when I get to act in something, when I get to really take a character that's on a page and make it a, a person and then uh, m- make that feel like an honest um, presentation throughout the entire piece. Like if you work on something for a week or you work on something for three months, like that's my favorite puzzle. That's my favorite challenge to take a character and make it, uh, make it feel like a person while they're still serving everything that they need to in the context of whatever it is that we're making. So anytime I would get to work on something and literally be living my life's dream, when it ended, which everything does, uh, every project I've ever worked on, Ends at the end of that. At the completion of that, I find myself deeply depressed, um, with kind of a postpartum um, uh, sentiment, like I've I've birthed something, and and my creative experience associated with it is now finished. There is a definitive finality where it's no longer mine. And I can't touch it or play with it or feel those feels anymore. I have to just abandon it and give it to other people. Sure. And so that always roots me in that, that depression of will I ever get to do that again? Um, and then complicated feelings of self-worth like um, am I only defined by this work or these oh, accomplishments? Man. I know and, that. Um, can I, am I even worth loving if I'm not making these these artistic overtures? And is, is any… Is any work to or effort how, enough? Is it, will it ever be enough? You, you know what I mean? But, but I, know, I, just, yeah. I just try to allow myself that like, hey, look, this isn't a new experience. This is something that I have experienced and will continue to experience again and again. And how so I like, manage the depression is really more the, the question than, than trying to avoid it entirely.
0: So in a way like you've developed, cause I, I think a lot about like developing cause I've, I've been in therapy for so fucking long, like two decades plus now. And I've, I've developed always with tools. the same therapist or have you like, I've had different therapists. Yeah, yeah. I started at 10 with a therapist. I think it's valuable. It's valuable, man. I have a, you know, my, a, since moving to LA permanently, I've gotten a new therapist. She's fantastic. But anyway, I, I still during the, the pandemic to her once a week, but yeah. developed all these like tools, you know, to manage constant through line issues in my life. And that's like, clearly it, it seems like you have started to develop the tools to deal with that onset of depression by just being aware that when a project ends, I'm going to feel like fucking shit, you know? Yeah.
3: Yeah. I think being, I think being rigorously self-aware and also, uh, painfully and unflinchingly honest, um, has helped me feel less, um, overwhelmed or beaten by any feelings of depression. Um, and I, therapy has definitely helped me.
0: Uh, are you in therapy? Are you,
3: are you still in therapy? <laughs> Man, I talked to my therapist like two hours ago.
0: That's awesome. I talked to mine yesterday.
3: <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I think it's just really important to, to, to talk shit out. And you can't yes. always talk it out with friends. You can't always talk it, talk it out with your relationships. It is, it is very helpful to have someone who is both educated and um, objective to help me at least reflect on what I'm feeling, try and understand the root causes, and make any adjustments that I want to or that I can um, That's That's been incredibly valuable and helpful for me. Because it's really easy to just get swallowed up by the feelings and like, like get high or drink all day or uh, even just like curl up in a ball and escape it. But yeah. I have consistently found that when I can confront something, when I can honestly assess what about myself is, is um, a contributor to my feelings, and then instead of saying, I don't want to deal with it or sure.
0: I'm going to fucking, that's not true. I'm awesome. Yeah. I mean, running away from it makes it way worse. Denying it makes it worse. They're very complex feelings and without somebody to help you sort through them and get down to the root of what, a, what the causes are and b what they really mean, like how they manifest, where they manifested from. It's just a fucking rat's nest. And sometimes it feels incredibly overwhelming and you feel like you're just getting weighted down to like the bottom of the ocean. You're going to suffocate from all these feelings.
3: Well, and even worse, um, I think I'm a very empathetic person. And as oh, a result, yeah. I'm, I'm paying attention to how other people are thinking and feeling. Um, and when, um, a good example of it when I was like eight or nine years old, I worked on a, a movie of the week and, um, you know, think about where your head was when you were eight or nine years old. Um, riding
0: my bike, I think.
3: Right. So when I was and, try, six,
0: and I think I was trying a cigarette. <laughs> a
3: cigarette. Well, when I was six years old, I knew with certainty that what I wanted to do was act and the opportunities that I got to work with established professionals were frequent and mm-hmm. pretty high level. And so I got to see from each of these adults who had spent years in the profession, the kind of discipline, um, self-assessment, um, and like the, the kind of examples that I wanted to emulate. Um, but it also uh, it also held me to a standard of emotional behavior and complexity that I hadn't experienced. Um, and I was expected to behave like a mature adult, even though I was still a child, because I was, even as a kid, I'm a part of something larger that demands responsibility, right. that demands a particular type of behavior. And you simply can't do it by screaming and yelling and throwing a fucking temper tantrum like yeah yeah. you control yourself and um when i was uh eight or nine and doing this movie um it ran late um my mom had promised me we were going to go to a store because it was a particular day when a thing i really wanted was going to come out and i'd made an arrangement with one of the guys that worked there that i was going to get it and then we were going super late and it just wasn't going to happen and then it was through the weekend, the place was, was never gonna, and I got so upset at like eight or nine years old mm-hmm. um, that, that the, the show must go on, that I was like crying and upset. And I felt like I didn't have any rights and like I didn't, um, Yeah. like wasn't. it wasn't fair. And um, as I stood off camera, uh, waiting to make my entrance on this rehearsal I had like tears in my eyes and I was like huffing and like really. (laughs) And I made eye contact with this. um, It must've been an electrician uh, sitting on an apple box, holding a flag, like doing a thing. This guy's in his fifties and he's just looking at this child crying. And he was like, he just looked at me and he went. (laughs) He mocked you. Mocked me. And I fully mocked you. I was shocked by it. And yeah, it, it embarrassed me and it freaked me out. And he said, what are you crying about? And I said, mama, I am supposed to, we were going to go this then He goes, yeah, well, I'm not going to make it home in time for dinner either. And here's another night where I'm not going to put my kids to bed. We're all in this together, man. Your burden is not heavier than mine. What Shut incred- the fuck up. What incred- <laughs> Shut up. What an incredible <laughs> lesson to learn at eight. I know. So I absorbed that pretty, pretty intensely. And, and even feelings of depression um or self-reflection or honest acknowledgement of my own feelings and the validity of them get weighed against that moment where it was imparted to me that my burden is no heavier than anyone else's and so i I know that that's two-sided like you absolutely are the hero of your own story and you are the lead character of your own narrative and so you can only govern yourself you can only I'm, I'm the only one who can make me do or say anything. Sure. And, and that's, that's the thing I struggle with when I feel really depressed is, is the like, how long am I going to be self-indulgent and complain about this? How long am I going to feel the intensity of this sadness versus becoming motivated to do something about it? How, how can I... Um, just wallow in my own uh, self pity sure. um, or self loathing I mean, versus it feel, does it ever feel like, like a warm
0: blanket to... depression because sometimes it does sometimes I need to wallow for a bit to get through it yeah like I yeah. need
3: to let it happen I also forgive myself those moments and don't let those moments define me. I'm not.
2: Well, that's what I was going to gonna say too. That, that day where you give yourself permission to just lay on the couch and do nothing and you just go, it's not happening today. I'm just going to lay here. It's, yeah. it's like one of the best days, right?
3: It is, and I think, it's a, I think it's critically important to be able to keep fighting, to be able to keep trying. Like, you have to take those moments. But in those moments, I always see that electrician and think about like, all right, man, well, you don't, you don't get to achieve anything unless you can be better. Unless You don't get to actually do the stuff. Like even, even getting to play on stage in front of thousands of people. Like if you don't work at that, if you can't be the thing, if you can't connect with the audience in the way that they've come to see, then you lose that audience. So, you know, these are all oh, privileges that we get. By this the way, work, it's happened that before, we get. Seth.
0: Yeah, it's, it, Oh, I, where I've just been like visibly depressed on stage, <laughs> and people will let me know. I had one guy say that I had, uh, he wrote in some, uh, like the New Jersey Star, I think that's what, that might be the name of the paper, some local paper, and he wrote that I had all the charisma of a Walgreens cashier. Well. Which I thought was really specific, because I've met some really nice cashiers at Walgreens, but I understand what he was getting at. It wasn't maybe not the most deft writing, but loud and clear. I was, you also, I was you having also, a bad day.
3: <laughs> You'll get the same kind of support from your audience about being fearlessly honest about how you're feeling in that moment and wanting to share that with them as an example of it's okay to feel this way. You can still do your job.
0: You can still yeah. connect. And you know, like I made the, off the, the bad joke about that people should kill themselves if they don't know who you are. I, 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 I want to say that like opening <laughs> up about <laughs> two, <laughs> No, but like, I have listen, man, I have, I, and I've made this clear, you know, about, I, I've had, I have constant thoughts about suicide, i depressed all the time, I'm depressed even when I'm happy, I'm depressed right now, I different levels of depression, um, I think being open and honest about that stuff, which is like the goal of what we're doing here, um, yeah. to give, to let people know like, hey, you're not alone in this, like, don't go and kill yourself, or don't go and do, to hurt yourself, don't, think it's the end of the world because it's not. Well, and also
3: the the benchmark for happiness is not constant happiness. The the watermark for successful um, handling of the rigors of life is not um, being blinded to realities. It's like being able to feel that shit and work it out and acknowledge that it doesn't define you it's okay to feel those feelings because they're real. And if you feel them and say, holy shit, I'm feeling this. Why am I feeling this? And you get to the root of why you're feeling it. And it's like, okay, well, what's causing that thing, which is causing the feelings?
0: Can I do anything about it? That's why therapy helps a lot. Cause you can learn, again, you can get the perspective to learn why A is causing B to happen. You
1: yeah. know, and you can be like,
0: oh my God, for 10 years I've been feeling this way. And it's all because I haven't dealt with my issues with my, with my parents or something, you know? <sighs> Because, yeah. You know, which is uh, honestly 99% of the problem, <laughs> at it's least for, for me. Well, for everybody. I mean, that's, you know, where else does, um, you know, where else do we come from but a sperm and an egg? Um, well, even your sense of identity,
3: your sense of your own value. Sure. It all like starts. The way, the way your parents pay you attention or the tools they choose to raise and educate you. Um, yeah. The physical example they set by their own behavior. Like, it's all contributive.
0: I can't wait to put my kids in therapy because I already know I'm fucking them up. I'm, I try so hard to be a good dad, but I know I'm fucking them up.
3: That's probably been one of my greatest fears about having kids in general is the notion that um, it requires a total rededication and allocation of your goods and services towards a different person. um, And that, that scares me. That really scares me.
0: I was listening to um, the singer of Queens of the stone age he was, um, this is years ago, he's on Mark Marin's podcast and he had gotten like a staph infection on tour and almost died and it put him in this deep depression. And he came back from tour and he has like, I guess, two young uh, kids. And he talked about having to hide that depression from his kids. And, you know, now that I have two, I, I don't know if I had, I might've had just one child at that point. Now I have two. But man, is that hard to do? Especially for me, I am such a like, what you see is what you get don't hide my emotions which can be good and bad just like you know you're really you are a really empathetic person and i'd like to think i am i'm a very like it, I'm all about emotions i'm all about connecting at an emotional level but it can be bad for me, at least for me sometimes because i'm like too emotional i can be too oversharing i can i can expose i don't want to expose ch- my children to something that's very adult or make them feel like they have to prop me up you know my my my, my 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 oldest daughter she's such a sweetheart and she will like ask me how i'm feeling and i'm like fuck i've destroyed her i ruined her I ruined <laughs> her she thinks she needs to take care of me that's fucking and maybe that's like just her personality i mean she's very nurturing she's yeah. incredible but i'm like oh god damn it i don't want her to feel like she has to take care of me i want you know, i don't want her when she's 30 years old to feel like i'm a burden on her you know i don't want her to feel, be worried about dad
3: yeah, it's tough because you, you really are obligated to demonstrate a positive example of how it's possible to live. Yeah. you know she'll, she'll mature to the degree that she understands the weight of the world.
0: I hope she finds me annoying and she just goes, I'm getting away from you. Just so she can live her own life. I mean, I don't want her to go away. I want her to stay home for forever. She's great. But... <laughs> I think that's
3: scientific, though. That <laughs> yeah, of course. There's a point for most... Um, women, or at least that's been my experience with my sister, watching other people's kids, friends that I've known. There's a there's a point, you know, where uh, men become very like outward thinking and want to make their own life and get away from their family or their parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they as they get older feel a greater sense a, a sense of responsibility to their parents and where um uh girls uh, women um everybody goes through that res- rebellious stage of like i hate my parents i hate what they stand for i'm learning my own truth i'm I, i've been out in the too. world and i'm seeing there's some shit that's happening um and it feels like between 12 or 13 and like 21 or 23 is a period of time where you can't as a parent do anything but try and be supportive try and be attentive try and be understanding you know because your kids are going to be crazy oh yeah what they're feeling what they're thinking what they're asking what they're learning i've only heard
0: you're crazy I've only heard, you know, I'm not gonna pretend to say that I know what it's gonna be like, cause I have no fucking idea. We talked, um, we were talking See, about- So this something- is
2: why owning cats is good because when I feel bad, I just give my cat a hug and then she scratches me up real good. And then I'm <laughs> like, oh, thank you. That's what I needed. I just needed a big cat scratch. <laughs>
0: just a this- physical
2: reminder of uh, the way that I'm feeling.
0: So yeah, that's good. Um, so that your cats are a reflection of your innermost turmoil. Oh, I mean, cats
2: are mostly just assholes. Yeah, no, I
0: had a couple cats. They usually peed all over my stuff and ruined everything. But they were sweet in their own evil, not so sweet way. They're, I've had
3: uh, the cats. Cats are different cat to cat.
0: They are a different cat to cat. Do you have any pets right now, Seth?
3: Yeah, I've got three cats.
0: <laughs> three cats? Oh, you have cats.
3: <laughs> one, I, have a, I just
0: have a dog.
3: He just, dogs, dogs are great, too. He just, Those...
0: worship, he, he just worships me. He picked, like, literally not the boss of the house to worship. He just – he like, like, my wife, she runs everything. She's the boss in general, and he doesn't listen. He only listens to me. I don't understand. I think he's also – I think he's just – again, I think he's a very depressed animal. He's a little French – little fat French bulldog, and he's just like, well, I was put together wrong. Like, this is it. This is all I get. Bad hips, <laughs> bad face, bad skin. We're in it together, bud. And I'm like, oh, God, is this, is this my reflection? Am I just, I, I'm kind of put together <laughs> wrong. back, several back surgeries, skin rashes, breathing problems. I think we're made for each other or, you know, constructed for each other. It's all no bad. One, so. No wonder you found such a deep connection. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Anything tragic and wretched I connect to immediately. Um, I feel very, very deeply for it. We are <laughs> talking about, which I like have this thing all the time. It's a big thing I talk about in, in therapy. I talk about, I have um, imposter syndrome. I don't yeah. know. I, so I mean, I don't know if you have that at all. Like, if you if yeah, you feel course. like feel like you're just like I don't know why I'm here. And you've been like, you've been in the entertainment biz for much for longer than I've been, and you've done many more. I've stayed primarily in one field. I'm beginning to dabble outside of that field, um, but you've been in one field for, or you've been in many fields within the, you know, you've been acting and you've been writing and producing and, and directing and un, un, made, you know, incredible movie and, and all this stuff. And you still feel like an imposter. You still feel yeah. like one. Cause I feel like yeah. a fucking, I feel like a fucking fraud.
3: Well, you never day. really earn, um, you never really earn the ego that you have to display to convince an audience to come with you on whatever journey you're trying to, to get them on. I don't, can, I don't know anybody, like you can, you can be confident and you can be practiced um, or rather I can be confident and mm-hmm. I can be practiced and I can still feel that nagging self-doubt of not being able to convince anybody. Like I'm always measured by exactly what I'm putting out um, in that moment and you're, I'm never given any actual benefit of the doubt Based on previous accomplishments. And so that gets really that that gets really tricky. And any of my confidence, it comes from a, a frequency of practice, right? So for several years, I got the frequency of practice of going to work on location, doing a press junket to release whatever the project was, and then having time to myself to recover, regroup, reflect, study, learn, rehab my body or or my mind. Um, And as I've focused more on producing, because it's, um, especially at the onset, um, I could only be so confident in my um, expressions about directing or producing or what I thought was right because I was wildly inexperienced. And so in a strange way, in an effort to give myself credibility in those other fields, I have um, lessened my own personal confidence or familiarity with doing the very thing that I love the most and have spent my entire life in in pursuit and service of. So, uh, but, but I, I have also heard the most brilliant and accomplished of artists confess that they also suffer from the the, the nagging certainty that they're a fraud.
2: And I mean, I think you case. have to, right? Like, that's the name of the game. Like, if you don't believe that you're a fraud, you you turn out to be Donald Trump, right? I mean, like, you turn out <laughs> right. to <be> a fucking <laughs> right. narcissist who like the be, guy who you made you boondock saints. Like the guy who made Boondock Saints, he oh, made yeah, one Troy movie, Juffy. he thought he was, yeah, he thought he was like, that's it, I'm done, I'm the best ever, and now, you know, I don't know where he is now, there's that really great overnight documentary oh, it's on so him. so good. But, he's, still to, uh, he's still trying
0: to crowdfund, like, a third Boondock Saints or something like that. It means he's just doing the same thing.
2: Yeah, because he, he definitely doesn't think he's a fraud, right? Like, right. So he's just, he's not going to ever succeed at a sustainable I guess, level
0: i guess what is that like every danny mcbride character basically <laughs>
3: yeah, but, but, yeah danny, I mean, but danny mcbride as a person oh
0: no i'm sure no no
3: i'm not i'm not i'm not arguing a point i'm more yeah. i'm more acknowledging that while that's a brilliant character that the actual performer has um accomplished something far more significant to be able to truthfully display those qualities while in real life adhering to a, f- a fundamentally higher standard.
0: hundred uh, percent. I mean, like, God, I, I can't imagine, you know, it comes like, you know, I, I, I know just from my own living in my own body and living in my own head that my fraud, my feelings of being a fraud come from a ton of self-esteem issues. And I, I would assume for most people it does. It feels pretty like distinctly connected. Oh, I don't think I'm good. At, I don't think I'm, I really should be doing this. Therefore, like, I don't really feel at least for me, I don't feel like I should be doing anything. I don't feel like I'm not, I'm not, and I'm, I'm not asking for any, any pity. It's just how I feel. You know, I've, I've always had very low self-esteem. I've always felt very low self-worth. Um, I think a lot of people probably do. And that at least for me is a direct connection to my imposter syndrome. Cause I just like, I shouldn't even fucking be here. And I have to pretend, you know, every single thing I have done, I've really, just like you really want to act, I really want to play music, I really want to uh, you know, write for television. These things I really passionately want to do. And I have to just go, all right, I'm just gonna dive right in. I don't think I should be here. I don't like myself, but I want it. I'm just gonna have to really try very hard to bury these feelings, but they exist so intensely underneath a very thin surface. Well, but also to, to, to actually do
3: the work like continue to do the work to actually challenge yourself. So with the work that you do, regardless of how you feel about yourself or your work to know that you in those moments are not cutting corners. You're not no. just bullshitting. You're not just like throwing something out. Like you actually put time and thought and focus into your art. That's like you put your passion into it. No. And the, the the hard thing for me at least to get past is that fear of, giving it to people, the fear of the judgment, the fear of it meaning nothing, or reaching no one, or not even getting a laugh. Um,
0: oh, and, God, not and, getting a laugh is, like, heartbreaking. Well. Beyond, I mean, for me, uh, even if it's just a laugh in conversation, I'm like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, my God, oh, my God. But it's oh also oh God, you, God. At,
3: you, you actually have to, to do the thing, right? Of course. You're not going to I, – I often – I get so consumed by the fear of not knowing what I'm doing or not being any good at it or not being funny or creative or not being informed or educated enough. And that prevents me from doing more than just showing up and show and by showing up that that should be enough. I'm here. And so anybody can like just absorb my previous accomplishments and I don't have to do anything in this moment because I'm terrified to do
0: something wrong. And
3: that's, no one's going to respond to
0: that. Of course not. No, if you're sitting there and you're waiting for people to come up to you and like engage you in the situation and make you a part of it. it, Trust me. I mean, that was, especially with, with with early follow-up boy, that was a lot of me sitting there and going like, why isn't anyone coming up to me and asking me for things? And everyone was like, that's not how it works. You idiot. Yeah. You gotta,
3: (laughs) you gotta still. (laughs) I was like,
0: all right, well, you don't have to call me an idiot, but maybe I am. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, you have to be. It's hard when you're depressed and you feel shitty about yourself You yeah. develop the tools to put yourself out there and to be active and to get up. You know, I always say getting up off the couch. You know, you got to get up off the couch and do something. You'll feel better. You know, yeah. when, I was li- when I was living in New York, I would get – so we lived in a 600-and-something square foot apartment, and I uh, wouldn't leave, <laughs> and – and at first of all, I was just like, I'm a homebody. And then eventually it was like, actually, you're a depressed body. And my wife was like, you need to get out and go you know, hang out with your friends. They're like calling you. And I'm like, that don't feel like it. And she's like, trust me, you'll feel better. And of course, always if I just get up and get out there and do something and be active, I okay. feel better. It's, you know, but it's, it's constant work, like yeah. getting better. <laughs> learning, learning—it's work. And like, yep. when you're depressed and you feel lazy, you don't want to work. It's the antithesis to how you really deeply feel. And so, but I think like, I always—I I believe two things. I believe like um, you got to work on your depression, and then you have to find like—and not to eradicate it, because you'll there's, and, until there's some sort of miracle drug or something. There's no eradication of it as a—it's a chemical thing. It's a chemical. Imbalance. It's just yeah. You, you know, I take medication. I've got a therapist. I manage it. You got to manage it all the time. But then like you got to figure out a way to manipulate n- manipulate your depression into it something that's functional for you. You know, for me, it's like I like that it almost keeps me so unexcited that I come into a room and I'm not too eager. Like it's a weird. It's a weird. Like I I kind of use that, I'm like ah well, at least he's not desperate and sweaty to be a part of this thing. I'm like, hey, what's going on? What are we doing today? And they're like, oh, that guy seems cool. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not cool. I'm not cool, I'm very sad.
3: Yeah. I'm nearly frozen in place with I'm
0: self-doubt and depression. self-doubt and fear. Yeah, just my hands are <laughs> shaking under the table. Um, yeah. Yeah, man. How are you managing your depression right now, considering, you know, speaking of being stuck inside? That we're all stuck inside. Like, how how is it for you? Like, how's the roller coaster?
3: Um, well, it's definitely a roller coaster. Like, I've had I've had moments that I'm really proud about, where I've, I feel like I've handled myself well for the circumstances, and then I have moments where I have had to honestly look at how I've handled myself or how I responded to something, and really evaluate what I could have done differently if there was an opportunity to do it differently um, try harder the next time.
0: Do you like go crazy? I mean, like, like lately, I've been going a little crazy where I've been feeling incredibly, incredibly glass half empty. Like I know, like I have the at least for, for all the years I've worked in my depression, I have the ability to think rationally while at the same time thinking irrationally. So I can go, I know everything's fine. If I were looking at like, if, if my life were in a fishbowl and I was looking into it, I would see everything was fine. But being in the fishbowl, it feels bad. It feels like this is never going to end. It feels like we're at the end of times. Um, and, you know, and just like when I was living in New York at first, I was like, sweet, I get to be at home all the time. And now I'm like, you know, I spent too much time on social media, got burnt by it. And I realized, Oh, I was on social media. Cause I missed being social. Yeah, with friends, with people. Like I'm really missing it. You know, we we talked early on about like with deal, dealing with your depression and getting through it. You know, you can't just talk to friends and, and family, and you talk to a therapist. But I'm talking to my therapist, and yes, I, I'm I'm living on top of my family and vice versa. Yeah. But I want to see my friends too. Like I need to see them too. It's all for, for me. It's all it's all part of it. It's all one big ecosystem. It is. It's like takes a village to manage. <laughs> my illness at least you know
3: everybody everybody needs each other like we're not um designed to be a part we're designed to commune that's that's why things like coachella work because yeah everybody wants to share an experience um everybody wants to feel like they belong like they matter like they can like they're allowed to participate and it's usually the extraction from those opportunities of connection that make people feel the most alone or even worse, like those opportunities for connection being corrupted by your own self-loathing or yeah. inability to relate to each other. Um, I, don't, I don't feel bad about missing friends or like the most basic of that. Like I miss hugging people.
0: Yeah, um, I miss a
3: hug. Yeah man.
0: Um, Wade doesn't his, Wade's Wade's smile he's like, I'll never leave. I've my been apar- thinking
2: about that. I'm honestly I've been thinking about again. that. I was like – because I, I honestly haven't it's been four months and the most I've left my apartment is to like take the garbage out or move my car. And uh, and but I'm fine. I <laughs> some I'm fine and uh, I was thinking like I wonder what a hug would feel like and I don't eh, I think I'd be fine without the hug, you know? Really? I don't know. I'll admit, guys,
3: aside from hugging my wife, I have uh, hugged like three of my friends, and that's after we both had been through such a length of quarantine, such a length of time that we weren't exhibiting symptoms, such a a length of time that we hadn't interacted with any other people. It had been months. And we were like, I feel like at this moment we could hug each other. We're not gonna like face to face, but just to yeah, like yeah. that connection, and it was it was
0: nearly overwhelming. Yeah,
3: because you're just like I'm honestly I'm denying myself no, this it's, basic of necessary connection to other people.
0: Yeah, like human touch. I'm a
2: little I'm a little scared that I'm gonna turn into one of those grandmas who like recoils at any touch. You know, it's just like it's <laughs> possible. Everything is everything is like uh, aggressive toward me. Like if someone comes and hugs me, I'm gonna recoil and and uh, Take a defensive stance. I don't we know. Are, maybe not. We are
3: being conditioned in ways that we can't even really understand. Like we're experiencing an actual trauma in this moment by being forced into these conditions, by being denied these basic social conventions, and 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 by isolating. Like we are experiencing an incredible trauma, and it's reconditioning us in some ways that are that are good and in some ways that we're gonna have to continue to
0: unpack whenever this ends yeah man it's like you know you see all the corny commercials they're like we're in this together and it's like very hard to feel like we're in this together when we're all isolated from each other
3: Well, then it's also like, fuck these companies. Yeah, of
0: course. Like, (laughs) yeah, no, obviously. (laughs) Anybody who's like... You
2: can still buy a car. We're in this together. We'll we'll deliver the car to you.
0: Zero APR. Just get into it. Get into the car. Please, buy the car. You're buying the car. Please, you can go drive around. You don't need to drive
2: anywhere, but you could still get the endorphins of purchasing a large uh, SUV.
3: (laughs) Yeah, it's tough. I don't know that we will ever go back to what any of us would consider normal. And I also think with the way that some of these cultural conversations have been highlighted, I don't know that it it would be good for us to go back. I think things need to change and we just, it's, it's all, it's all having, it's, it's all like study and conversations and
0: it's a whole bunch of, it's a whole lot of stuff. I mean, so, so so big,
3: right?
2: I've been, uh, yeah. I've been thinking, a have been thinking a lot about like how, this will probably change me for the rest of my life in the same way that like if I'm sitting in a movie theater, you know, previous to this quarantine thing, there's always a fraction of a second where I think like, oh, we could all get shot in here right now. Every movie I think that at some point and like it's an irrational thought. Um, I know for the rest of my life, there's gonna be like some holdover to this period where like I'm forever changed. I don't know how it's gonna manifest, but like I can guarantee you, like I won't be the same after this.
0: I'm afraid. I'm afraid I to go. Cause, you know, I have asthma. I'm afraid to go into a grocery store. I think it's an. I personally think it's insane that we're already opening up restaurants and stuff again. I mean, I want to go to a restaurant. Don't get me wrong. I'm just like. I read too much news. I, I see, like, you know, what happens with those early reopening. And so looking down the line, I wonder, like, I've been thinking a lot about, like, how is live music going to be? Are they going to have to pack, like, half as many people in just to keep people spaced from each other, distant from each other? Like, am I going to be playing drive-in movie shows? You know, like, what, what's going to – like, how is this going to work? I mean, that would
2: be pretty cool. Everyone could honk after every song. That's, <laughs> the only
0: part, that's the only part that's cool. I hope someone's got, like, a cool, like, vanity horn. Like, ba 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 That guy's cool. You know, I that went to guy.
3: a drive-in movie a couple weeks ago, and it was pretty awesome.
0: That sounds great. What did you see? It was.
3: Um, I saw The Hunt. Oh, how is it? I really enjoyed it. It's, yeah. uh, it, is a, uh, it is a fun and crazy movie that posits some unbelievably compelling social commentary.
0: Is that Lindelof? Did he, is that his movie? Yeah, yeah him and uh, Carlton Cuse. Yeah. Uh, I want to watch it. It's on, it's on the internet. Yeah, I'm afraid to go anywhere. Uh, I,
3: I'll, I'll just say I met like six people there. We all had masks on. Um, people got out of their cars, but were never closer than like six foot apart mm-hmm. um, and never without masks. And then I was in my own car with my own snacks, smoked a joint. That sounds <laughs> like, great. It was pretty great, man. It, it was like you—you you felt the communal experience, even though we were all separated from each other.
0: Speaking of smoking and joint, I'm—I'm—I've—I've uh, grown a plant in my backyard.
3: Oh, how's that? How's that going?
0: It was going well, and then I uh, left for a day to go take care of something in uh, in Palm Springs, and I came back, and it's very—you know—even though it was taken care of for me, it's getting very sad. So my, cool. just like my dog, and maybe getting attached to me. Possible plants are. But it's
3: remarkably responsive
0: they're to. so they're so responsive yeah i i like it it's it's nice to have like another th- i mean listen i'm taking care of kids but like you know it's it's nice to have something like that just like a project to take care of that's alive and and, <laughs> yeah, they, and, and doesn't need much more than sunlight and water the, the um, needs
3: of a plant are so binary as far so, as being able to uh, attend to them. <laughs> yeah, there's <laughs> like not any. Sc- there's not any dog. screaming.
0: It never asks me. It never screams for dessert after not eating his dinner. um It's 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 pretty. But I really like how responsive it is. I mean, like we as a family have black thumbs. We kill plants. We're terrible. We're like uh in the middle of like putting together like a garden and composting. And I'm like, this is gonna go like shit. We're gonna put like weeks of work into this and like all like no everything's gonna die everything's gonna grow die. i i, I envision it growing dead just That's like it's dead tomatoes coming yeah like yeah you know me just <laughs> you, always looking at the bright side you, you can name
3: your gardens stillborn gardens
0: stillborn garden yeah well if you, you know, if you're looking yeah it can go i can put it in the imperfect foods uh, <laughs> produce box <laughs> Which is fantastic.
3: That's funny. We we've uh, started a garden too. We had a, a very small. We we planted a bunch of fruit plants, uh, a bunch of fruit trees that have yielded some fruit, and that encouraged us over this period to uh, get a little more ambitious with the gardening. But we're only planting things that we're going to eat, um, and we'll see how it goes.
0: What do you? Uh, were you grow steaks? What are you doing? Yeah, we're going to grow.
3: We're going to grow steaks. Um, yeah. And we're going to. We're raising bison. Um, <laughs> you, you, you no, should sho-
0: You should grow shoes.
3: Well,
0: that, that'd be great.
3: I'll plant a Nike tree. We, um, um, what do we got? We planted some small tomatoes and cucumbers and a lot of peppers. That's a good um, idea. Planted some spinach, uh, a bunch of herbs and spices, uh, some squash. Um, what am I forgetting? Like zucchini?
0: Yeah. Stuff that we're going to eat actually used. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah, Stuff that we we use fairly frequently in our, in our cooking. And
0: I think it's a great idea. Are you, are you composting as well?
3: Uh, haven't quite got into composting. We actually are, are still consulting with, uh, specialists both on how these things should work and what the appropriate maintenance is, what kind of things can grow next to each other. Um, what helps like feed the soil correctly. I it's, it's all things I have never,
0: it's a whole Ever thing. explored, yeah. It's a whole thing. You're going to do great. I'm not going to do so great. But we'll compare <laughs> notes later. <laughs> well, that was one hell of an interview. We know it. You know it. Other people know it, too. Um, well, and, and also, if, if you thought we were going to just... End this episode on this high note. You're wrong. You're so fucking wrong. Oh my goodness, my microphone twisted around. This shit for brains career musician is going to do the tropey thing that you would expect him to do. We're going to put an original song on for you right now. This is about working through your depression by the incredible musical comedy troupe, Lou Burger.
1: Sometimes when I'm sad, I think of my dad and think about calling but cry. Sometimes when I'm glum, I sit on my bum and wonder how I'll die. Sometimes I just work and 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 cry and work and yay. Depression, my depression keeps me from getting All my house chores done But if it starts to have some kind of regression I'm gonna lose the traits that make me fun Sure, my personality could use some Prozac But will my friends still like me without panic attacks? Isn't it funny how depression makes you funny? Isn't it sad that no one else is sad like me? And when I look in the mirror I see Sadness all over my face face. I draw a smile on top of it With some spit and toothpaste I'm depressed But please no, don't feel bad for me I already feel bad for myself I'm depressed And the only thing that helps are pills I barely get dressed to see my therapist Who I do not like at all Depression My depression It's a This competition to see what I'm sad about the most Depression My depression Keeps me awake all night long Depression My depression Makes me wonder if this is even a good song